0: second chapter, you will find, again with the first verse, these words recorded, and you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sin, and which you once walked, found the course of this world, found the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the son of disobedience, among these we all once lived. In the passion of our flesh Upon the desire of our body and mind As though we were by nature children of wrath Like the rest of mankind But God who is rich in mercy Out of the great love With which he loved us Even when we were dead through our trespasses Made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved And raised us up with him And made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the coming age we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not because of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them Lord help us to understand something of the marvelous salvation that you have given to us today Jesus was speaking as John heard him speak and you will find that in the eighth chapter now the book of John and the 32nd verse, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. <clears throat> now some of you who watch those cultured, those programs of the great culture on, on TV will recognize, I think, that this line that comes from one of them, somewhere within the course of the program, It goes something like this, gloom, despair, and agony on me. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Now, I know some of you don't watch those culture programs like I do, and and so you perhaps missed that line of time, too. But now, beloved, I don't believe that for for one moment. No, the fact of it is that that's the only place that I know that they can make money out of that kind of garbage and that kind of thinking and I guess they do quite well back but why don't we turn our ignorance into bliss of course the old cliche has been you know down to the ages that ignorance is bliss well that is not so I do not believe that any more than I believe of what uh, these lines that I uh, read to you from, from the program from TV it's just not quite that way and if you would permit me this morning, and I think that my old professor in seminary would say perhaps this is the greatest way to preach after all, is to testify to something that you know for sure. I remember old Dr. Weatherspoon, a great towering teacher and a figure, and a great man, a great Christian. His definition of preaching was simply, well, it's something that you take warm from your heart that you know about the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of God, and share it or give it to someone else. I suppose, I suppose that is about the best definition of preaching down through the years that, that I have, have ever heard. It is something that is true, that you know, because it is confirmed within the midst of your own heart and in your own soul. Now I have been to the hospital And you wouldn't have known that if I had not told you And things there went uh, quite well in a way But you know pain has uh, two great possibilities Pain has the possibility of turning you around And cause you to think in a negative way Turn you into a very cynical person. Turn you into a person that is embittered in this world. It can bring you a place where you're completely and totally disillusioned with the things in this world and with life in general. That uh, does have that possibility and all of us know that because we can think back to the book of Job and we know that the concept of, of illness and sickness and pain and agony and that day and strange as it might seem and this enlightened day in which we live, that some of the shadows of that hour are still carried within this modern world of ours today. And you remember the concept that the people had the day of Job, in fact this is a reason why the book was canonized. Uh, to dispel this, this disbelief or this, uh, this uh, erroneous type uh, of thinking about, uh, about pain and agony. His friends came to, you, to him, you remember, and insisted that he had committed some sin somewhere. And all he had to do was make things right and right things with himself and he would be whole and well again, it was for him to confess his sins. And then this would be done, and then poor old Job, you remember again, and again, he says, "Well, he says I'm so miserable." And in fact, he said, "I am so, so miserable. I know that I haven't done anything that's sinful to cause all of this." Well, we have a lot of carryover today that, if we are right within our thinking, well, it means that uh, certain things will not happen to us. Well, beloved, they will happen to you, and because this is the way of the world. You know, it's a mystery about suffering. I knew that a long time ago, reaffirmed within my life. There's a mystery about suffering that cannot be penetrated. It's sort of like the cross. You can can see it, you can sense it, you can even feel it. But then there's a curtain drawn, and you can't get past it, because there's a lot of answers that need to be answered. Like the art that gather around the cross. There's a mystery about suffering. Two of the greatest things that I have ever had and that ever has been my privilege to be conscious of, of course, in life came to me through suffering. Now that was when I was given birth into this world, and that's when the Lord Jesus Christ died for me. Now this is difficult to understand. This is hard to uh, to come to a place where we can truly completely understand. Uh, but suffering is part and parcel of the kingdom of God. Well, pain has a way of, it uh, can, it can turn you into get you off track. And, and cause you to see this life as something that is other than desirable to be lived. Our beloved, it has a way of clearing your head. And cause you to be able to see things in a more perfect way than and than, than all possibilities and probability that you could ever possibly see. It has a way of uh, distilling something within the midst of your being. You know, I think that this is why the Lord Jesus Christ came apart from time to time in order that he might be able to collect his thoughts and his thinking and to be able to commune with God. And beloved, I want to tell you that pain and agony can bring you to that, to that position can bring you to that position. We all know what it means to hurt and to be in agony and to be in pain. I am amazed though at how we want to hold on to some of the old half-truths and the illusions that that gather about us. I remember some years ago now, when I was much younger, I remember a lady coming and she was quite distressed and very emotionally upset and and uh, really uh, in emotional trouble and I talked with her over a period of two or three weeks and finally I came to a place where I could see so clearly what was wrong with the situation and one of the mean shafts within her life that was all distorted and turned around and at that time I didn't have any better sense than to deal with someone's neurosis than to attack it head on and I remember today, as if it was only yesterday, I told her what was wrong with her and I said to her, the thing that is really wrong with you is none of these things that you have talked to me about the past weeks and over the past hour or so, but the thing that is really wrong with you, the shaft of your real problem is that you hate your mother. Well, she was highly insulted and very indignant about the situation. In fact, she left, uh, jumped up and left and... and, uh, She said to me, said, you're the the most terrible person that I've ever met. Now how would you like for someone to leave uh, your presence and tell you after they've talked to you over a period of a few weeks and their conclusion was that you're just one of the worst person that they've ever met. Well, she was greatly offended and uh, she went home. I didn't hear from her anymore for a long while and by within that next year her mother died her mother was alone and she was the only daughter and after her mother passed away within the week she had a total and complete breakdown it was total I think they found her wandering in the street and she had to be totally reorientated and rehabilitated and I lost track of her for about two years and then one day I saw her coming to the church and coming into the church And I couldn't help but think I know that she is coming back now to, uh, to get rid of me And she's really going to tell me off But the closer that she came to me The more I realized that this was a different person she, her, her very stance was different Her, her walk was different You, you could tell that, that here's a person That an amazing thing had happened a real reorientation a real a reaffirmation of, of life had come to her uh, those doctors that waited upon her and helped her had, had helped her in such an amazing way and she had come to the place where she was completely a whole person more perfectly than I suppose any person that I've ever seen to go through what she had gone through and before she even got to me I could tell that uh, that here was walking a whole person and it's the first time within my life and the last time that I've ever had a person to come back and to apologize to me over a situation like this. I've something come near to it. But never a person to come right out and say to me, well, preacher, you were right. And I was sorry. I'm sorry that I was abusive to you. But what you said was absolutely right. But I was in no position to handle it at that time. But I understand now I did hate my mother. And I couldn't tell her why she had hurt me the way she continued to hurt me, but I understand now. The truth does hurt sometimes. And we will do anything in this world, even to be abusive, sometimes to give up these illusions that we carry with us about the realities of life. The facts of life are hard. The truth might hurt. And cause us a great deal of discomfort But beloved the truth is the only thing that's going to right your life And truth is the only thing that's really going to put you in a position Where you'll be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ If you've never seen him before And truth is the only thing that is going to bring you to a wholeness of life And you know pain has something that can sort of distill life for you Now I'm a great fan of Uh some of the characters in the funny paper. And Dagwood was stressed out on the divan the other morning. You saw that, I'm quite sure if you read him like I do. And Blondie went over to say something to him. I tried to find it but they threw it away on me so I could refresh my memory. But she said something to him. She saw him stressed out there and he wasn't moving. She said, this is amazing. There's more than a thousand moving parts within the human body and not a one of his is moving. And after she walked away, she made some other comment and walked away. You remember he said, that's what I call, that's what I call control. Control. (laughs) Well, you know, when you wake up some morning and every, and all of these thousand parts in your body, and every one of them are knocking together and hurting. It has a way of distilling life for you that you can begin to see some of the things about it that, uh, you uh, need to take uh, take a look at. It's a time of testing. Time to rethink. I remember talking to a man that was up for his doctorate and he was in to take his last uh, oral exam. And I don't remember the occasion, now I have lost it, but somehow or another I was in conversation with him on the telephone right before he went in uh, to that board that he had to go before to take his oral. the last one but I do remember him saying to me he says preacher he says I've tried to prepare myself for this but he says I have no idea what those men are going to ask me and he says I want you to know he says I am drenched with perspiration he says my deodorant has given out and he says I'm in a mess <laughs> he says I've got to go in there and face that board of doctors and learning people and uh, they're going to try to ascertain whether I'm smart enough that they're going to give me my doctorate. Well, he got his doctorate all right. But it's a time of testing. Being in the hospital, immobile. It's a time of testing. Time to think. You know, beloved, there's only one fundamental question that can be asked about life, Really? And you strip all the fancy stuff away from it and it comes down to this. So what am I to give my life to? What am I to give my life to? Or to some of us who are older, what am I giving my life to? Am I giving it to the most important, to the highest and the best that I know? Or am I spinning my wheels and wasting my time dealing with things that are not important? What am I giving my life to today? The best beloved that I know is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the best. It was the best yesterday, it is the best today. And it will be the best tomorrow. Now you expect me to say that, don't you? But I do not care who you are and how long that you have lived in the Christian faith. It's every once in a while, it's a good thing to sort of to test yourself to see where you stand. Do you really believe the things that you say that you believe? Or do you say it as a convenience? Or to fool yourself or... To pacify yourself or to make other people to either to leave you alone or to be aware of the fact that you believe the way that you believe. What are the dividends from this life that you're living? How does it test out? What are you looking for? What will it give to you? And in closing I'd like to mention just two or three three things that has something to say with life, and the essence of life, and the greatness of life. Now this knowing the Lord Jesus Christ will give you a freedom from fear. A freedom from fear, that's what hit my mind. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I'm so brave. It's not that I am so brave or so courageous. It's what I believe about the Lord Jesus Christ that makes it so. To know that you don't walk alone. Oh, when this comes to you, or when you experience. It. and when you come to the place where you know that this is knowledge, whether you've sense it or whether you feel it or not, that the Lord Jesus Christ has got his eye on you today. He will tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow and you can count on it. One of the things that Jesus promised us in salvation that we would never walk alone. Now you may go out of here and you may feel that you're alone, but I want to tell you something. You're not alone. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll never be alone. Never again upon the face of this earth. It's not something that you might feel all the time. It doesn't depend upon that. It depends upon what Jesus said. And he said he would not leave you alone. I am in this place free from fear. Isn't that fantastic? I don't know anything else about the face of this earth to free you from it. There's no position. There's no amount of wealth. There's no any other thing that's going to free you from the fear that can lay hold lay of hold your soul and paralyze it and keep it from moving. I've said to you before that the great thinkers of our world have said that all fear stems from the fear of death. And I'm led to believe that's so. And when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, that fear is removed. And then you're free from self. Self is not the center of life anymore You know the one person That I have more trouble with Than anyone else And that is myself Thank God That I can see That the Lord Jesus Christ Is the center of life And around him Must then Be worth the rest of life Now when I am committed to him And to him alone it is here that I experience my greatest freedom. My greatest freedom. My greatest freedom. Free from what other people think. Beloved, if you operate on the basis for doing something or not doing it, simply because other people are or they're not doing it, you are in trouble. You're as a mighty ship that has lost its power. And you're drifting at sea. And it is a God's honest truth that sometimes our neighbor's voice is more real to us than the voice of the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be freed at this level is a tremendous freedom. What drumbeat and whose drum beat, beloved, do you really walk to? Or do you have to ascertain from your neighbors and your friends what they think? About your life and the way that you're living it? Or does it spring from the very pit of your soul. Where the citadel of the Lord Jesus Christ really is. And is it expressed then in your life. As you live it daily. And then you're free from guilt. The devil would have you to believe. That you cannot be a part of the king of God. If you have sinned. The devil would have you to believe That you cannot do anything within the church Because you are a sinner That's precisely what the devil would have you to believe But beloved, long ago There was a man, a young man Did everything within his power That he knew how to do to Even to abuse his body In order that he might be able to satisfy What he thought God to be And what God demanded of him And found no hope and no encouragement until one day he read the scripture that I read to you this morning we know this young man as Martin Luther he started a reformation within the church because the church at that time was only given a half-truth about the King of God and salvation and he called her back to her first commitment and that is salvation is a gift of God to us it is through faith that we are saved. And still through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ that your sins have been forgiven. All of them. Not one, not two. All of them. Jesus paid the price on the cross for your sins. The ones yesterday, the ones you're stupid enough to make today, and the ones you might make tomorrow. It's paid for. Jesus did it. You can go to sleep every night with your mind locked on the Lord Jesus Christ, then there'll be no guilt about what happened today. It's in his hand. It's in his hand. Free from despair, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is in charge. We operate and move at his command. Notice what the scripture says from Beforehand, or the, before, as Peter says, the foundation of this world was laid, he had you in mind to call you into existence and to bring you to this place. Free from despair, we are part of the kingdom of God that is eternal. You don't have to die to enter into the eternal kingdom of God. Beloved, the, the day you start believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you became eternal, today, That's right. You know, you ask ask one of us what we've been doing today, the average day, and we'll give you a description of what we've done. But one of the beautiful things about the Apostle Paul, that he was able to see so clearly, someone must have asked him that question. He said to them, he says, I have been fighting against powers and principalities in high places and low places. I've been fighting against the powers of evil building a kingdom and I am at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ well Paul is no more at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ than you that's a fact and you may think these things that you're doing now, have no meaning at all and one of these days you're going to wake up and find that what you was doing and what you are doing had something to do with the eternal building of the kingdom of God. Beloved, that's a fact. You are helping God build his kingdom here upon this earth. You're part of it. You're in the field. You're a soldier. You give no quarters and none is asking of you. You are here because God in his infinite wisdom has deemed it necessary and important for you to be here. And to be a building block in his great kingdom today. The story is told. I heard it the other day. I don't know who told it to me. But I heard this beautiful story and how, how meaningful it really is. He was having a revival in some western town, I think somewhere, and one of the old wheat farmers out there that held out over the years and hadn't trusted the Lord uh, came to the revival and was gloriously saved. And he just met the Lord in a great way that night at the revival and went home. It wasn't too many days after the revival closed that uh, there was a bunch of grasshoppers and locusts came through and got into his wheat field and just ate it up. There wasn't anything left. And some of the brothers had been walking with the Lord for a long time. thought, now we better get together and we better go see him because he's young in the faith. And this may be devastating to him. He may not understand it. Let's go and talk to him. And so they made their way over to his house to talk to him, to comfort him and to encourage him. And, And lo and behold, when they got there, they saw that he was in good mind and good spirit and was at ease. And hey, they said something to him about the, the disaster that uh, had hit him, and he said to him something like this. He said, Now, brother, he said, You remember the other night that when I was at the altar? He said, I made my commitment to Christ. Yes, we were there. We saw it. it was wonderful. He said, Well, I want you to know, he said, I committed everything to Christ. Everything. I committed my heart, my soul, my family. I committed my land. I committed that wheat field to the God, to God, to the Lord. And I want you to know if it pleases God to graze his locusts in my wheat field that was mine one time. That's all right with me. It's here. I've already committed it to him. A commitment totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. As the only sensible. The only sane way to really to live this life. And it's the only way upon the face of this God-given earth that I know, that even in the midst of your pain and your agony and your suffering, that there can be a rejoicing within your heart and your soul. Beloved, and so I've been there. And I can report to you this morning that what the scripture says you can depend on. You can trust it to be so. I wonder this morning as we sing this closing hymn, if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't committed the wheat field yet to the Lord within your life that is still out there that you're worried about and you're concerned about beloved if it is so and you want to commit that totally to the Lord today come as we sing this closing hymn hymn number 483 rejoice the Lord is king come to the altar and commit it to him